What's up, guys? Welcome to The Road Podcast, the podcast where we talk about overall well-being, health, and all the crazy things that happen on this road that we call life. I'm your host, Jonathan Shane. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of The Road Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about, as the title states, my TKD experiment. So I made a YouTube video about this, but you know, YouTube videos have to be a certain length. You're kind of focused on photo imagery and quality. And I thought the podcast would be a great place to dive way deeper into this and kind of give you some things to chew on. Uh, Before I get started, though, I do want to say that we are working on some guests. I know that you've only been listening to me lately, um, so I plan on giving you a little bit more than that. But until then, let's get started. So first of all, let me kind of give you some context. Let me give you some background as to why I chose to do what I did. So as y'all know, I have been training for uh, Boston. I want to qualify for the Boston Marathon. I decided to do that after my last competition prep um, ending in late April. So early May, I started running. Um, For those of you that didn't know that, that are new to everything, welcome. I am a ketogenic endurance athlete, uh, previous ketogenic bodybuilder. Um, And so you know, I'm, I'm training and, and at first everything's going great. So when you're keto, you train at, in a training called a Maffetone train training uh, protocol. Basically, all it means is that you train at what's called a Maffetone pace, which is 180 minus your age. And you want to stay under that heart rate. And that is going to guarantee that you're oxidizing fat more than glucose. And so people that are low carbon ketogenic tend to train with Maffetone and then throw in tempo, pace, and speed work. And they seem to benefit from it well because we oxidize fat at a much higher rate and much more efficiently than carb-based athletes. And so it almost becomes effortless for us. And so that's what I was doing. And everything was going great. I started off, my first Maffetone pace was 9 minutes and 57 seconds per mile. And over time, over the course of the first six or seven weeks, I got down to nine minutes and 25 seconds per mile at my Maffetone heart rate. And so we see this great progression in my progress. And then all of a sudden, I can't pinpoint the exact week, but all of a sudden, my heart rate starts to be a little bit less controllable. My I have to start slowing down a lot more during my runs. And, and and it's in five second increments, right? Like one week it's it's back up to 9.30. Then the next week it's 9.35. And so the first couple of weeks, you're just chalking it to being tired. You're like, I'm just tired. Um, nothing's going on, right? And this is you, listen closely. <laughs> but like, you know, at first it's just like, oh, you know, per- a little less performance, a little less performance, a little less performance. But you tell yourself that your body just needs to get pushed a little bit more. So you increase the mileage. You run harder you know, um, all kinds of things. And, and it gets slowly worse and slowly worse and slowly worse. And so that was happening to me. And then about four weeks ago, I went on vacation to Kentucky. I didn't really go on vacation, but I was there seeing my in-laws because I was doing some business with my brother-in-law selling my car and um, decided to like kind of treat this as a vacation or a traincation. I, I ran some hills for the first time. It was fun. Um, and when I got back, it's like that trip, the traveling, the running up hills, just like shattered the mountain that had been building up. Um, because when I got back, I literally could not control my heart rate. I'm talking like 12 minute per mile pace. My heart rate was at 160. Um, and if I try to do a tempo run, my heart rate would go from 150 to 200, 200 in the matter of minutes. I mean, you're talking, your heart's not even beating at that point. It's just like spazzing. It's like sputtering. 
Um, and that was really, really scary for me. I wasn't sure exactly what was going on. And so we took a week off and we thought that would help. And then we came back and it was worse still. And let me preference too, let me preference this. You know, during these past eight weeks that this had been progressing, right? The times have been getting worse and all of that. Up to this point, we had tried extended fasting. I had tried eating before my runs, after my runs. I tried fueling during my runs. I tried 80% fat, high protein, high fat. Um, you know, I tried carnivore. I tried meat and bricks. I, I tried all kinds of things and nothing was working. And the week, the week that week before I went up to Kentucky, I was checking my blood sugar and it was like 100, 110 all the time. And I was like, what is going on? And so I bought a CGM. And so when I was in Kentucky and the week I got back from Kentucky, I had a CGM on and I was tracking my runs and I would notice that I would wake up. My blood sugar would be like 95, 100. I would run and my blood sugar would go from like 95 down to like 50, sometimes even like 48 I saw. And then I, and then it would hold that until I ate. The minute I ate, my body's blood sugar would spike to like 95 or 100. And then it would stay that way chronically all day, all night. You would see weird dips at night. Like there was one time at midnight, my heart rate, my blood sugar was like 110. And then it dropped down to like 40 for a little bit. And then it popped back up to 110. Just weird fluctuations in blood sugar. And so that's going on, you know. And then I, like I said, I get back from Kentucky and just like my heart rate's crazy. Um, I start getting chronic, and I mean chronic joint pain. My knees, my ankles, my hips, everything hurts. Old injuries from football that went away when I when I started doing like a high fat ketogenic diet started coming back up. Um, I started having depressive mood swings. I would be sitting there, and all of a sudden, I would feel like I'm worthless. And there's no, like I have never dealt with depression. I've had body dysmorphia, which is different. It's just like you're compulsively thinking about a, a disfigured image of yourself in the mirror. And I've, I'm very used to my mind doing that when I'm in a bad place. But I'm not used to like full-blown depressive episodes. And that was really hard. I didn't know how to deal with it. I would just sit there and like try to drown myself out. And like it was crazy. And so we took that week off. Um, so that would have been like – uh, three weeks, four weeks ago, four weeks ago, we took that, we took that week off after I got back from Kentucky and we got back and my, and my running didn't help at all. It didn't help my running at all. And so we look at, all right, so we tried everything. We took three days off. We took a whole week off. We've been going to the chiropractor. We've tried every variation of strict keto you could possibly try. Nothing was helping. I repeat that again. Nothing was helping. And I have data to back all of this up. I'm not just talking out of air here. I have spreadsheets. I have graphs. Nothing was helping. And so my running coach, Frida, said, listen, I know that we've always argued about this, but why don't you try introducing a little bit of carbs, complex carbs, simple carbs, before your runs or after your runs? And to be honest, I was really hesitant because y'all know me. My goal is to be a fat-fueled ketogenic athlete that can kill marathons. And the idea of introducing carbs for any reason bothered me, um, or at least those sources of carbs. It, I, I find now it's hypocritical for keto people to say they don't eat carbs because unless you're carnivore and you're zero carb, you technically eat carbs. But anyways, it's a whole other podcast. And so I, 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 I know somebody that talks about metabolic flexibility a lot, and that's Rachel Gregory. Um, she's great. Follow her on Instagram if you can. So I went to check out her podcast, Netflix and Chill. I DM'd her. She told me to send me to episode 14. I went to episode 14 and it was her and my good friend, Aaron Day, Fat for Weight Loss, talking about endurance athletes, carbs, metabolic flexibility, 
fatty acids. And he started talking and he was saying a lot of the things that I was feeling. So I reached out to him and I sent him all my data. And he said, bro, you are stressed. Your central nervous system sucks. You need to do this. And he was like, you need to do, you can do keto. It's great for recovery. It's great for a normal life. It's great for lifting weights and building muscle, but it is, it is not good for running, especially endurance running. If you're going to be running 40, 50 miles a week, you've got to bring carbs into the equation in some form at some level and i was like you know what all right i'm gonna give this a shot because you know what every i have a lot of friends that are against carbohydrates and i told myself but none of us have actually tried it since we went keto we've all been strict keto for one two three four five six seven eight nine ten you know eleven years but we've never actually tried carbs after being fat adapted we really don't know right I said, you know what? I'm going to take the leap. I'm going to try this. And if it doesn't work, I'm not going to say anything to anybody. If it doesn't work, if people ask me, I'll tell them that I tried it and I didn't like it. But if it does work, then maybe I can help some people. And maybe it's going to help me, you know, be a better fat adapted athlete. And so there was a day, it was Monday. I don't remember the date. I think it was the 14th of September was my first day. I woke up that morning, my blood sugar was 92. And I ate 300 grams of acorn squash comes out to about 30 carbs. I ate that with some cinnamon, some Walden's Farms, because you know, hashtag we're healthy. um, And two eggs. And that was after my run. So I I ran fasted, ate that. And then I ate keto the rest of the day, I ended up at like 69% fat for the day. I woke up the next morning and my blood sugar was at 85, 85. It had dropped 10 points. I had not seen 85 on my fasted glucose in forever. Get this. So that day too, after I ran, I ate sweet potato. I checked my blood sugar two hours later. It was at 79, 79. And I do have that data to back it up. That's crazy. Um, of course, though, my heart rate was still freaking out. I was still having joint pain. All that was still going on. But it, but my fasted blood sugar numbers were better, which to me was like mind boggling. And then Wednesday came, Wednesday came. So I did another speed work and my heart rate shot up to like 200 again. And that's freaked me out. And so, you know, try it again. And then Thursday I woke up and I noticed something on Thursday. I had no aches and pains. No my aches and pains had completely gone away. Now I'm gonna explain all these in their sections here in a second. I just wanna talk about the progression of me healing. No aches and pains though. And then I would say that following weekend, I, I ran on Saturday, I did a run and I did a 10, 30 minute per mile pace and kept my heart rate under 160. It's not even that I was going that, it's not that I was running fast. Obviously it's a minute slower than what I was doing at my prime for me. Um, while I was actually progressing properly, it was that I was able to control my heart rate, which had been unattainable for the past like three weeks. So it was a that was a big deal to me. Um, and so in that week, we had seen my blood sugar, my fasted blood sugar had dropped to a normal level. Um, you know, the, the chronic pain went away and and I had a good run. Next week comes, I decided to take the week off. So this is this past two weeks. So this week, um, prior to this episode coming out, and then the week before that as well, I took off from running and lifting. So that first week, um, that Monday, I started to notice that I felt better. The depressive mood swings that went away. 
Okay, so I kept doing the targeted keto. I wasn't running, so I just have a carb meal, you know, 20 or 30 grams of carbs with um, 20 or 30 grams of fat, um, you know, in the morning. And then I would just eat normal keto the rest of the day. I would Generally, I'm not going to be eating salads and things because I'm going to keep my carbs low, you know, under 50. Um, some days 35, 40 because I also eat keto brick. But so that's going on. And then that following weekend, so this is approximately 14 – this is approximately 12 days after starting this. I woke up, at, I went camping, and I woke up in the tent and checked my blood sugar and ketones. And my blood sugar was 73, and my ketones were 0.5. I have not seen 0.5 ketones on my fasted ketones in months. I can't tell you the last time that happened. Because people know me, even on high-fat keto, unless I'm in a deep deficit, I tend to not... I process ketones really well and really efficiently in my mitochondria. And so like, I don't have a lot of ketones floating around in my blood. Um, and so for me to see that was nuts. Cause that means I was oxidizing a lot of fat, which is awesome, but also perplexing, right? Because I'm eating something that is supposed to be a forbidden fruit, so to speak. Um, and so that was really cool. And I even did a graph for my ketones. Um, I did it later after I made that YouTube video cause you're not gonna see it on there. But um, my ketones have been, average higher they've been averaging like 0.3 to 0.4 and i had that one day that was 0.5 but i've been averaging higher ketones than i was prior to this tkd and that right there sold me all of that right there sold me um i ran today for the first time in two weeks and i was able to control my heart rate again wasn't fast but again it's uh running isn't like weightlifting when it comes to gains you lose them very quickly so like i just have to like get back into the groove of things that'll be fine i was able to control my heart rate when i want my heart rate to come down i slow down it would slow down right there was communication that was proper there so i was happy with that but i did i made a complete 180 i have none of the symptoms i had and all i did i didn't even change the amount of carbs i was eating i simply changed the sources so let's talk about why this was all happening so there's this thing called UPS, underperformance syndrome, and it can be categorized, um, it's a broad term, could categorize um, stress causing central nervous system shutdown, and it can lead to depression, it can lead to chronic aches and pains, it can lead to underperformance. It's most typically found in like CrossFit athletes and in marathon runners and triathlon athletes because the amount of stress we put on our body during our exercise plus life, plus family, plus all those other stressors pile up. Um, and no, no matter what anybody says, I'm not, saying that, I'm not saying that running is harder than weightlifting, but in terms of stress and cortisol on your body, endurance, sports are way more taxing, way more taxing. And so what was happening was my body was freaking out. I would go on these long runs, because this really started when I started getting over like 10 miles. I go on these long runs and my body would eat at my blood sugar. It would eat at my glycogen. It's obviously oxidizing fat, but you you still use glycogen. It's just not at a high rate unless you get over your mafetone pace. So you're going through glycogen and then your body has to, you know, win your keto. Your body raises cortisol a little bit to release glucagon from the pancreas to cause a blood sugar spike by metabolizing glycerol from fat oxidation or also amino acids from protein, from fat muscle. It can do either work. Um, and so that's happening, but here's the caveat. If you are chronically depleting glycogen and your body has to chronically release cortisol to chronically release glucagon to recon, uh, chronically 
replenish glycogen, now you've set yourself up for a very, very vicious cycle. Because let me tell you something, if you run for an hour and a half and you burn, you know, say a thousand to twelve hundred calories during that run, and then you go, you know, work out for three for an hour, burn three hundred calories, but it's very glycolytic in nature because it's weightlifting. Uh, both of those together creates a very glycolytic depleted state, and your body freaks out. And so when it freaks out, it starts releasing cortisol to release glucagon. But in, in although fat adapted athletes are efficient at replenishing glycogen, it still takes time. And so now, like if you have a really hard training day, and then then and then you you know you you um go that whole day with elevated glucose because your body's trying to replenish glycogen and then the next day you wake up and you do it again with and your body still hasn't fully recovered now you're in for some trouble and the problem is is that unless you're only running two or three times a week very little not enough to be a marathon athlete um you know you're you're going to deal with this overlap um unless you don't strength train at all there's a lot of things like you could probably run for two or three times a week um, you know, under 10 miles or whatever and strength train one or two, three times a week and you'd be fine. But to actually train for a marathon and, you know, run the four times a week plus strength training, which you should do three to four times a week. I mean, you're going to cause some overlap in terms of recovery if you're not watching it. And so when cortisol is chronically elevated, you know, to deal with that, you're going to deal with elevated glucose. You're going to deal with low ketones. Cortisol also strips minerals from joints, and so you're going to deal with achy joints. It also gets in the way of antioxidant pathways, and inflammation builds up, and that can inhibit serotonin production in the gut and the brain. So now you have depressive mood swings and anxiety, right? So literally, this situation I was in was causing all of these symptoms. And so when I started introducing the complex carbohydrate, 20 to 30 grams, guys, not that much. I mean, the most I've had is like 35 before I run. And I'm telling you that all the, all it, and it's not even that it feel like it, it's not that it necessarily was a, was my performance fuel, right? I don't like that word because I'm not, I'm not eating, you know, you got to think if you run an hour, you burn 500 calories on average, you know? So if you're eating 25 grams of carbs, that's only a hundred calories. The other 400, what the car, the carbs don't multiply in your system. You're oxidizing fat for the other 400 calories, especially if you're fat adapted. So I'm still primarily running on, on ketones. I mean, 80% of my fuel during my run is fat. It's oxidized fat. But those carbs tell my body as they get released, especially over time because they're complex, hey, listen, you don't have to freak out. I got you. We're, use this to replenish the glycogen quicker. That way... You can focus on other things and your blood sugar doesn't have to be as high all the time. You don't have to have cortisol super high all the time. We got you. I, the way I've put it is that doing this has balanced my equation. It's kind of like the example I use in my YouTube video as well is like people have choose between spinach and cauliflower. Like they choose spinach because cauliflower makes them gassy or vice versa. So you still eat the carbs in the forms of veggies, just want a low amount of carbohydrates under 50 grams, you know, generally to be keto. Um, and then you choose a certain one based off your preference. I don't feel like this is any different. I'm choosing the carb that I do eat under 50 grams based on what I need and how it responds to my body. Just like I choose spinach over cauliflower because spinach doesn't make me gassy at all. 
I choose sweet potato over spinach right now during the days I run because it tells my body that it's going to be okay. And I mean, there there is really is no argument. I mean, of course, people can have their own opinions, but like I have the data to back it up. I have the spreadsheets. I have the blood sugar numbers. I have the anecdotal evidence of pain and recovery. Like I, I have those things. And so there's power to this. And again, this is not to encourage someone to eat carbohydrates. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. Like if you don't like sweet potato and you function great, don't even, I mean, listen to this for enjoyment and to, you know, broaden your mind. But by all means, don't, don't do, don't do what I do. But if you're an endurance athlete that's doing keto and you're starting to notice that you're getting hip pain, you're getting knee pain. Your blood sugar is pretty high for some reason. You're tired. You're having depressive mood swings. There, these might be signs that you need to start incorporating this. Um, and I really feel like it can really help you. Uh, and again, you don't do. You don't need 100 grams of carbs. You don't even need 50. 30 before your run, and then you carnivore. Do fatty carnivore the rest of the day. I don't care. Um, but just having that little amount. To tell your body it's going to be okay, we got you, is so powerful. Um, and again, it just comes down to balancing an equation. So what does a day of eating look like for me right now? So uh, I was doing it every day, but now I'm only going to be doing the targeted approach on days that I run. And so I woke up today and I had 130 grams of sweet potato. That's one really small sweet potato. I'm talking like smaller than the palm of my hand. It's, it's a small sweet potato. Um, I ate that. It's 23.9 grams of carbs. So I had that with a little bit of cinnamon on top and I had a fatty coffee. And then I went for my run. It went okay. I'm thinking about trying. I'm going to go back to eating them post-run and seeing how I do. But the run went good. So all is good there. I then fasted for two hours. I checked my blood sugar after two hours. My ketones were at 0.3. My blood sugar was at 90, which definitely shows you know my blood sugar is, is coming down. Ketones are going up. I'm happy. I then had bacon with eggs cooked in the bacon fat and then um, uh, 45 grams of a keto brick, which is basically a little over a quarter of a keto brick. And then I had some pork rinds and that's what I've eaten thus far today. My fats are at about 73%, 72, somewhere in there. Uh, my carbs are less than 6% and my protein is where it's at. I don't remember the exact macro ratio. But that's what a day of eating looks like for me on the days I run. On the days I don't run, I was doing targeted throughout my break. But now that I've created this baseline, um, I also I, I, I will be doing standard strict keto on the days I don't run. So I'll go back to my veggies or I might just do super low carb. I might just do under 20 carbs that day. I haven't really decided. Um, might do like a meat and bricks kind of thing. But this is working for me. I'm oxidizing fat at a high rate. My blood fasted blood sugar is stable. Um, I feel good. My joints don't hurt anymore. I'm not having depressive mood swings. I feel super creative. Um, and I just, I, I love it. I love what I'm doing right now. I, it just, it feels like my truth and it feels like it's helpful for me. And so it might benefit you. So if you're like chronically stressful, understand too, like if you, if I wanted to just stop running, that could have fixed the issue. 100%. I'm not saying that's not the case. Like if I wanted to simply stop running, I probably could have just stayed strict keto and it wouldn't have been a big deal. And there are people that deal with chronic stress in their lives that they could, it probably would be easier to just work on getting rid of that stress. But if you are an endurance athlete and you bring that stress upon yourself for a goal, if you're a CrossFit athlete, 
if you are someone that you know works a crazy job and you like to work out and your blood sugar is just chronically elevated and you you know this might be an option for you it might be something that you want to try um but like i said if your stress is there because you don't want to deal with it and it's not because a goal that you have and so you have to work you have to figure out the best way to deal with it in a healthy way um then you need to work on removing that stressor you this is not an excuse for you to start eating you know, um, a load of carbs to deal with your stress. Now, if the, if your stress is arbitrary and you've brought it on yourself and you can get rid of it, you just don't want to deal with getting rid of it, you need to focus on get, on dealing with it and getting rid of it. But if you have a goal, if you're an athlete and you have a certain goal and that goal comes with a certain amount of stress, you need to learn how to best deal with that while also capitalizing on fat metabolism and being that low-carb athlete and oxidizing fat at a high rate and leaning on fat for performance and fuel. And I find that with marathon running, this is the best way of doing it. Um, so yeah, if you have any questions or comments about this, I know this is a longer one, um, please email me, message me. I would love to talk about it more. Again, I've worked with clients. Already, I've already been implementing this with some of my clients that run and I've seen great benefits with them. So it's all about f- balancing your equation and figuring out what's going to work best for you. All right, guys. I love you all. Thanks for listening. Till next time.